for HR, my advice for anyone in HR is just keep asking the questions and realize that you don't know everything. And so figure out like, oh, that's really interesting. These are all just problems to be solved. And so put on your problem solving hat and be curious and ask questions and your business will like you for it. And if they don't, then maybe they don't wanna be curious and ask questions. That might be the, not the culture for you. Welcome to the HR LND podcast, where we explore cutting edge HR trends and best practices with top leaders who are shaping the future of work. My name is Nick Day, and I'm founder of JGA Recruitment Group, a specialist HR search firm. I'm also a qualified executive coach and a recognized HR thought leader listed on Thinkers360. Together, we're going to dive into topics from diversity and inclusion to technology, learning curation and employee experience to help you evolve your people and your development strategies. So whether you're a flourishing HR executive, a rising manager or a seasoned CHRO who's driving transformation, this podcast is for you. So grab your coffee and let's play. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist HR recruiters. Remember, if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe to it, share it with all of your HR colleagues and friends, and together we can all raise the profile of HR for everyone globally. And before we do that, I'm going to introduce you to a wonderful guest I've got today, Dr. Kerry Olich, who is on a mission to improve the environment of organizations which in turn improve the lives of their employees, something that I know all of you are very passionate about as HR leaders. She's also the CEO and co-founder of the Abracci Group, a boutique HR consulting firm, also on a mission to improve the environment of the organizations they support, which in turn, of course, improve the lives of their employees. Now, Kerry's also a speaker, co-host of the Recharge Your Life podcast, so she's very familiar to this podcast format, and co-author of the book, the way of the HR warrior. We're going to be finding out all about that book and what HR warrior means during the course of this episode. Now, whether, of course, it's coaching you're interested in, whether it's training leaders, performing cultural or psychometric assessments, Perry has done it all. In fact, she's been helping HR professionals, turning them into HR warriors her entire career. She's held leadership positions in a variety of organizations ranging from startups to Fortune 500 companies, she supported over 25,000 global employees in senior HR positions. She's encompassed roles in change management, business strategy, and overhauled HR departments to become recognized and trusted advisors. She's also, like myself, the mother of a, of a son, but also two Dashans, just like myself. So we can talk about her together in a minute during the show. Love the mini Dashan. But without talking about puppies or anything similar, well, first I'm going to welcome Kerry to the show, of course, but also ask her my first question, which is this. What do the words human resources mean to you? Well, first of all, thank you so much, Nick. That is very, I start to get hot and slightly nervous when people give my bio. I'm like, that's enough. It's just too much. And then the dachshunds, that's an entire podcast. And they were just barking at the pool person. And please, I just want peace. They're adorable. Thank God they're adorable because if they weren't, they'd be in super trouble all the time. <laughs> so you asked, it's such a good question. What does HR mean? And I was thinking about it. And so when I think about it's such a powerful profession, and I think that's why I get so ticked off when we don't get the respect, we don't have the top talent in it. 
because it just has this power to influence the environment, to influence the leaders, and to influence just how people show up when they come home. That's what I always talk about is if you're happier at work, right, you go home, you're happier, you're a better spouse, brother, sister, whatever, parent, because you don't have all this stress from being at this really crappy job. And now I know that HR cannot, we are not all powerful. We cannot just wave a magic wand and say, oh, leader, you're a real jerk, but oh, just talking to me, all of a sudden you're fine. That sometimes doesn't work at all, but we have a lot more power and influence than we probably give ourselves credit for to try to really move the needle at organizations. So I guess powerful is my word. Powerful starts the show. I'll tell you why I love that response. So there's a reason for this. And for those that regularly listen to the show, they'll probably know where I'm going with this. Often when I ask that question, the first thing the response will be, will be, well, actually, I think we've evolved from HR. And we need to talk about it being a people profession. I'm not against any of that. But it's the first time in a while from the guests I've had who've actually just owned it and gone, you know what, let's not talk always about what it needs to be next. Let's just talk about how powerful it is right now. Because right now it's renowned for being an HR profession. We're not fully evolved into the world of people yet. Some may be on that journey and that's fine. That doesn't mean we can't be really passionate about what we're already working on right now. That doesn't mean we can't use powerful terms like you just have to associate with the words HR. I think that's a really refreshing start to the podcast. I know that obviously we're all talking about HR's warriors today. We're going to find out about that in just a moment. But before we get there, tell us a little bit more then about your journey that goes past beyond my introduction. Because not only have you, uh, you know, become a very experienced HR professional, but you've also launched your own podcast show, which is called Recharge Your Life. I'll be linked in the show notes for those interested in that as well. Tell us a little bit about your entire journey, both to the podcast and to your book and to your yeah, as much as I am so passionate about the powerful force of HR and people operations or people in culture or whatever you want to call it now, that I didn't start out that way. So I started out in psychology and didn't really think I'd be in business at all. So I had this bent of helping and making a difference and making an impact. What I didn't realize is you could do that in a corporation. And so I ended up in a corporation and I ended up in human resources. And that's when I went, oh, my goodness, you could be totally subversive here. Like I was trying to study psychology, whereas people go and, you know, they know like, okay, I'm going to a therapist and I need some help, but you could do subversive psychology in corporations at all times. Like that's what people are bringing their baggage to work and they're bringing all their issues. And like, you can actually do a lot of really good work there. So that's my subversive great thing that in HR. And so I think, but being, I started off in really big corporations with really large HR organizations. And I was in the area of HR where people always talked about being strategic and having a seat at the table. And are you a strategic business partner? And what I realized with my colleague, Monica, is that so many people talked about that. But they didn't actually have the skills for it. They didn't even know what those skills were needed. And so I had business partners say, or business to the clients saying, I, I'm not going to invite that HR person. They're so ridiculous. And yet that HR person was saying, I'm a strategic HR business partner. And the business leader was like, no, you're not. And so we actually talked for the book, talked to a lot of people about, well, what is it you're looking for? And they're really looking for a business person. And I know HR people have heard this before, but it's a business person and you're what you are in the business of the people. And so it's not because you like people. Sorry, HR. And I know you had a podcast. I'm pretty sure. Did you have podcasts? Yeah. Like, if you like very people, good. don't very be an good. HR. Yeah, great. I know. I saw that one, Nick, and I'm like, yes. 
because it's really hard work. And if you just really like people, it is not the place for you. But and so they talked about you need to be this beautiful consigliere or, or this this counselor to the business leader. And how do you show up? And it wasn't copy and paste a policy and put it in an email. And it wasn't just saying no all the time. That's illegal. Or I, I know if it's illegal, you say no. But it's it's a rare thing that it's so black and white. In HR, there's usually a ton of gray and you got to figure out what to manage through it, how to manage through it. And so we found this kind of fundamental skills were missing in HR or a lot of people just couldn't articulate it. So that's why we came up with the way the HR Warrior book and the model of charge in it to help people kind of understand, how do I get to that strategic HR? You keep telling me it, but like, I don't know how to do it. And so it really broke it down to the fundamentals of what you need. It really told from an HR perspective, but also a business leader perspective on what they look for as well. And so we had that book and we try to help HR. And then we started with the Recharge Your Life because that the charge model was really good for anyone. This is about courage and resiliency and accuracy. So like any career you're in, you can be a recruiter, you can be in IT, you can be in finance, you can be in sales. These are like good skills. And we thought, oh, this is really great on people, how people have taken a decision in their life and really kind of overhauled their life because of a certain decision they made. So it's called Recharge Your Life. And then because we evolved it, we did evolve it into the breakout now. So that just happened. And so we have Reducer, which is amazing because we break out. It's really breaking out of expectations. So it's not even an HR podcast. It's just helping people in the in their life podcast. And we love that. I've, I've followed a similar journey myself. I've launched a new show as well this week called Mindful Paths, which is nothing, nice. nothing to do with HR, but all about mindset. And I'm probably on a similar kind of. Oh, my God. I love it. But I think what I, I love, love it. What you've been talking about is, it's your, I'm a big fan of language. So what I'm hearing, and hopefully my listeners are hearing the same, some of the language you use is, well, recharge, powerful. These kind of words, these are empowering words that really pick up your energy, make us feel important, which I think is important. We need to lift people up, particularly in the world of HR. As you say, they're dealing with different problems. They're firefighting, they're fight spinning. And yet I think terms like strategic are often overused. And uh, we've got to get there first, right? So... The other term you've obviously used a lot is the word warrior. Tell us a little bit more about the way of the HR warrior. Why particularly use that word warrior uh, for the HR profession? And, and what led you and your, your colleague to co-author the book? Yeah, well, it's funny because we kind of started with don't be like something, right? Don't be like an HR weenie because that's what we always heard. That's what my parents always said. <laughs> They're like, don't be an HR weenie. Like, ugh. And, and so we kind of started with like, please don't be that way. Because even now, I think all of your listeners know we go into a place people are like, ugh, HR. And I think it's the same, relatively the same in the UK versus the US. They have the show The Office, which started in the UK, which always has the like total dork HR person. And there's, we're still portrayed that way. So I think a lot of, we started with like, please don't be like that. Like, like please don't add to that. When we were writing the book and we were talking with our publisher, but what do you want to be, right? So it's like, yeah, don't be that. But what's this like beautiful thing you want to be? We're like, you really need to be a warrior using the W, right? So if we say weedy warrior, right, we're trying to be have some alliteration about it. And so the warrior piece, we're like, damn straight. Like you are a warrior. Like the stuff we go through, I'm going to record this podcast with you, Nick, and then I'm going to go and deal with probably a, a quite sticky issue with a client. And then later, I'm going to try to figure out how to, you know, get more listeners to our podcast or something like you just you have to go in between all these different like these different situations. And so 
we thought, yeah, it is a warrior. And then we made sure the model charge supported the warrior. But it really is. It's kind of at times very lonely, like warriors are. And then there's a great book, The Way of the Warrior. And so the publisher kind of, we riffed off of that as well. So, but it is this, like, it's this profession that a lot of, you can't tell a lot of stories, right? You can't like talk to a lot of people about it. You can't say like, oh, let me tell you about this person who's about to get fired. Like it's lonely. And we get slings and arrows a lot too. People blame us for stuff that's not quite our issue, but then you could also like incredibly impact people's lives. So warrior sounded about right. So that's why we came up with it. A, it's empowering, which I think is great. Yeah. But B, it's so often you see the HR function as being the full function when something goes wrong. And when it goes right, they very rarely get the credit. Someone else. Never. That'll be a C-suite decision. That was <laughs> exactly. On a board level. If it doesn't go right, exactly. that was HR's fault. That's yeah, exactly. Deal with it. So I think it's quite, yeah. it's really nice. But what can we do then using, we'll go into the change model. That's a question I want to ask, find out more about that. But before we jump into what that model means and what the framework is, from an HR leadership perspective, what are the things you would say to an HR leader that perhaps does feel like they have no choice but to be a weenie using your language? They've got so many pressures they're handling. Now, how can we kind of throw that noise away and become more empowered, feel more warrior-like in our profession? Yeah. Well, I think it starts with, are you even in the A, you have to ask yourself, is this the right profession for me? Like, honestly, you got to do soul searching for you first, because I've noticed a lot of some HR folks, it's really not their prof- They don't want to be in it anymore. And that's okay. And be okay with that. It's okay. So you kind of have to look at yourself and say, what do I want to be? Do I want to be in HR? Is this, is, do I get a charge from it? Or is it, I, yuck, I thought I really like people. I really don't want to be it. Or I had someone on my team one time say, I'm so sick of the fact that I can't make the decision, that it's always the business that I want to be in the business. So he went into operations because he's like, I want to make that decision. I'm so sick of coaching. And so he did it. So I think there's this, what do you want first? So what do you want first? And then you really have to look at, you can be an amazing HR professional, but be in the wrong organization and you won't be able to get that stuff done. And so you got to figure out how do you align with the leader and how do you make sure that that agenda is also your agenda and if it's not, if you cannot make it work with that leader, you might not want to be in that organization. So I think you have to do this kind of soul searching first. Then if things are aligned, you're aligned with the leader, then you can start saying, all right, these are the top priorities. And it's really hard for HR people to say no, but you're going to have to. You have to have the priorities in those filters because, it, I mean, on a daily basis with some clients, we're like, all right, that's great that that fire came in, but what's dropping off now? And then we're going to tell people that that's dropping off. It's really hard to do because we're a bunch of kind of helping profession as well. Oh. But I've seen way too many HR people burn out because they're like, sure, I'll take that on too. And I'll take that on too. And businesses understand. I mean, they have to make trade-offs all the time. So in terms of revenue and expense. And so if you explain it that way, they're usually pretty decent about doing the reprioritization of things. The beauty is... So whether they've read your book, whether they feel warrior-like, you know, we've, we feel empowered, we've, we've owned the professional, we're now in that space, we think this is right for me. Something you've done in your entire career, but certainly for your consulting firm at the moment, is you've helped organization HR leaders really empower the people they work with, make them feel like they can perform at their best in an environment that's supportive, but also performance-orientated as well. And you've done a lot of that through what you've talked about in your book, which is the charge framework. So if I'm an HR leader listening to this now, and I want to know a little bit more about how I can empower the workforce that I'm supporting, 
Tell us a bit more about the charge framework and how that might support them with those objectives. Yeah, so the charges, uh, and I often Nick spell it wrong, so this is hilarious. This is like my dyslexia coming out. So I'm like, why did I make an easier model? But it's courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal orientation, exemplary. And so these are these basic fundamental skills. And so I think as a HR leader, you can look at, okay, what does my team do very well? Are we courageous, right? So are we speaking, it's the ultimate like truth to power. Are we saying that that is not the right decision? That's fine, you're gonna make it, but here's all the consequences to that decision. I often say to my leaders, they're two sucky decisions. They're like, you got to pick the least sucky. Like, they're like, is it real? I'm like, yeah, they're both really yucky. They're not good decisions, but you got to pick one. And I can't make it rainbows and unicorns for you. It's just going to be the way it is. And you're going to have to decide. And so there's some, this courageous piece that you have to speak because a lot of times you're the only one who's going to say it in the room and you're the only one who's going to bring the issue to, to the fore. So I think making sure that your team feels like they can say it without the fear. Some HR leaders might say, well, they don't want to hear that. We don't want the leaders to hear that. And so if you don't have a courageous HR team, you're not going to have the best team. I think that humility, the H part is really around you don't have to know it all. And so I think HR folks a lot of times feel like we have to know every law. We have to know everything about anything and you don't have to. You can ask your lawyers. You can ask. Things change all the time. I want to. I might know how. I'm in California. I might want to know. I might think I know California pay transparency, but I want to ask the lawyers because I want to hear what's going on, and they'll give you the inside track. So to say to the leader, I'm not quite sure. I'm about 90% sure, but I want to talk to the lawyer to make sure I get the ultimate answer. But usually business leaders are like, that makes sense. That makes sense that you kind of know it, but like laws change, and so let's get it. Let's get on top of it. And I think that to make sure your team doesn't always have to give the answer when it could be wrong and take a beat and it's okay. And I think my biggest one, I think, is the A, which is the accuracy. So I think if you're leading a team to make sure this is going to help with the noise too, to make sure that they're accurate. So we have so many times in HR that people come to us and say, uh, Nick, you know, this team, they don't get along and you know what, we need a training on conflict management and how to talk to each other and that's it. And if we have that, everything will be done. And sometimes in HR, we're very much order takers. So we'll go, yes, that's, I'm so glad Nick called. Oh yes, this is great. And then you don't need that at all. That actually it's the leader's issue or it's just one person or it's a workflow issue. Like you have no idea. You're just accepting it on face value. And so that accuracy piece is really asking a lot of questions. Once you get to the actual problem, if you solve that, then guess what? That releases tons more energy and work that you could do in other things. Because if you're just masking the problem and keep putting Band-Aids on it, that's where this burnout comes from too, right? Because you never get to solve the actual issue. And maybe the actual issue is the leader. I've turned down quite a bit of work for team building because they're like, Carrie, we need to do a team building. And then we do some interviews and do some questioning and realize, oh, no, this team building of like eight hours that they want is just a waste of time because either there's one toxic person or there's an org change coming up. And like, you got to say no to that. So I think that helps as a leader to make sure your team knows what the heck's going on and to try to figure out the actual issue. And then the goal orientation, again, really helps with your team is take a filter of everything you're doing and say, is it attached to the business goals? So in HR, we go to a lot of conferences, we listen to a lot of stuff, and we hear best practices. We're like, that's great. We should be, that should be our, our company. But they might not be there, and they might not want it. And so 
you got to have to like cull the list and say, you know what, that one's not linked to the business goals. That's what we're not going to work on. It, it might be cool. I might want to do it, but I'm not going to work on it. And so then the resiliency part too is how do you, as an HR leader, make sure your team is continually bouncing back from things and filling up their own gas tank and taking care of themselves. So as a leader, that's so important of checking in with them. How are they doing? I just heard this ridiculous stat that it seems unbelievable, Nick, because it was like 90% of HR people are burned out. And I'm like, you know, when a stat's too high, you're like, that can't be right. It just... And then I think oh, it probably is really close, though. It's probably really close, you know. And so as an HR leader, how can you help your team? And then that exemplary, as an HR leader, here's this is it. When you tell people to do stuff, you got to do it yourself. And HR is the worst sometimes about everyone, manage your team, give feedback, and yet they have the most dysfunctional team. Everyone, do your compliance training and do your performance evaluations, and they don't do them at all. Everyone should have a development plan, and they don't do it. So like, do what you say you're going to do, like as an HR leader. So that's how I would coach my HR leaders to help them have the best team that they can have and then a happy and engaged team too. Fantastic. And of course, this goes into great detail in the book. So you can find out for those who want to become HR warriors, you obviously you get that, you'll go into the charge framework. But there's a couple of things that just picking up on what you've mentioned there, so I'll show if I can get my thought processes in order. I think what as you mentioned the word noise, I thought it was really interesting was related that to accuracy because Tim Galloway wrote a book called The Inner Game of Tennis, but he says performance is about potential minus the noise. If we take the noise mm-hmm. equation, we can realize our potential to high performance. And that does, yes. well, that was really, really interesting. He talks about leaders and only needs one, one bad leader. Like the idea of one bad apple can spoil a whole batch. And then in, what it highlighted to me is HR people are constantly firefighting. We're constantly trying to overcome challenges and as you said right at the start of the the, the charged um framework response which was you know often you've got to give bad news we've got to have the courage to do that now there'll be a lot of hr people listening to this that may have had to announce redundancies for example that decision is made board level but it's the hr professionals that have to relay the information and you need to be courageous to be able to do that and even if it's not that even if it's just a transformation we know that when change happens where's one inevitability and that's resistance have you ever asked yourself how can any recruiter understand my hr recruitment challenges please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet here at jga hr recruitment we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting recruiting and retaining top human resources talent we also understand just how costly a poor hire can be JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. So with all these things and the burnout statistics you finished with, which I think were really insightful, how do we then, I'm going to link this probably to your podcast of Recharge Your Life, but how do we get HR professionals to keep a positive warrior mindset throughout all mm. this resistance, this challenge, this change, this toxicity, this this noise. Now I'll ask you to sell the profession. Yeah. How do we keep people positive? Yeah, it's so hard. It's funny. I just, we did, we're trying to do more, better social media. And so someone said, you should do a video. And it was about burnout. And it was, I said, okay, here's three things because it is really hard. And so one is how do you say, no. Just how do you say no? And this is, 
it's so easy for my sales friends to say no and like like some top of the executives that I coach. In fact, sometimes they have to be coached to stop saying no to everything. <laughs> like maybe you should say yes. <laughs> and so they're like, what do you mean? Say That's so easy. I tell people no all day. HR is really hard. Our, our profile tends to be, we do a lot of psychometric profiles. And so our profile tends to be more accommodating, more helpful. So that saying no is really difficult. And so I said, say no, find your tribe, find a few other HR warriors. We just started a, a development group for H some HR warriors. So in our newsletter, we said, who's interested to develop? Because I wanted to kind of just understand some more. And you know what they all wanted? They just wanted to talk an hour a month. They just wanted a space to chat with each other and say, is this right? Am I going crazy? Am I? I'm an HR person of one a, or department of one. And so they just wanted to find someone to talk to. And I think HR can be really lonely. And when you don't talk to someone, when you don't have any kind of outlet to speak about it, your burnout rate and your anxiety level goes up. And then my third tip was don't watch the language you use. So like to your point of noise and what I'm trying to do is instead of saying I'm so busy, I have so much going on, I'm trying to take more agency in it. And so I try not to say busy. I just say that's not my priority right now. Now, I don't quite say it. I'm not trying to be a total pain in someone's butt, but in my head, I'm like, you know what? I can't do it to the 100% perfect thoroughness that I'd like. I think it's 80% and I'm okay with that because it's going to trade off two hours that I could do for something else. And so I'm not busy. I'm making choices. And that to me felt so much better because busy is an external thing that I have no control over. Oh, I can't do anything. I'm so busy. And it's like, really? No, I'm choosing not to exercise. That's fine. If I have five pounds extra on me, okay. Stone, sorry. I don't know how to translate that one for UK, Nick, but yeah, the pounds versus. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, Wait. <laughs> as, as a coaching idiom, which you're probably familiar with, you know, coaching back on is, you know, we say yes a lot, but every time we say yes, what are we saying no to? Exactly. What was really interesting, and no one will notice, but he created something my son does. I've only just realized it now that no one else really does this. But I'll ask him to do his homework and he'll go, okay, daddy, but I'm only at 70% right now. And he'll say, and then he'll halfway go, I'm now at 60%. I can only do this for 10 months. I'll be at 50%. And he tells us, like a batch, what percentage he's at any point during the day. That could be quite useful. Maybe we should learn from the brothers into the end. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, it's fact since we both have sons, my son doesn't like school, which I'm like, I liked school. I did well. And he's like, C's get degrees. Like he's just like, let's do the minimum. And I said, you know, one of your teachers said, if you did more, like they're, they'd be really, you could really do well. And he looked at me, he goes, mom, I don't like it. And it's really interfering with the life I have playing video games. And so really why would I want to do something I don't want to do and like not live my life the way it, and enjoy it? I'm like, okay, I would like you to do a little bit more, but the thought of he's already doing the trade-off, right? And so in HR, instead of like killing ourselves over something that isn't the most important thing, and what if we just said no to it? Or what if we said, you know what, I'll do that, but I'll do it next week. Are you okay with that? And negotiating with someone, it's amazing how many people are like, yeah, you know what? I thought it was due tomorrow, but it really isn't. And there are certain things that are, and you just have to like, and sometimes I've just sucked it up. I'm like, okay, I it's a lot. We did an integration for a client and there were hard deadlines on it and you just did it. But for the most part, people are more flexible than you give them credit for. So 
But yes, we can learn a lot from our kids for sure on some of this. Jolly, I've read your book. What's the most empowered thing, I guess, a reader's going to walk away from? What are they most like to go and do after reading? What's the implementable action you would most like them to take? Maybe that's the best way to put it, reading a book. I just go back to, are you right with HR and are you in the right place? Because it is amazing culture fit that what are the skills that I need to develop and am I in the right organization to develop those skills? And I have been an HR, I am not a different HR person every time I go into an organization, but I have been way more successful at certain organizations than others because of the leadership and because of the fit, the culture fit. And so I think for HR leaders, you really have to just look at yourself and look at your place and say, am I in the right place? Is this the right company? Can I do my best work? And if it's not, what's that plan that I want to do? Maybe there's some more work within the company. Maybe it's not being in the company. Maybe it's not being in HR. But I think it's all this self-reflection first and understanding the fit and culture fit. And then you could, it would be amazing if you're in the right place, how your career takes off. And so we have got that. Let's assume I'm a, an HR professional leading to this. I feel like I'm in the right environment. Yeah. Yep. What's the best way for me then to align my goals with the business goals so that we're able to, mm-hmm. this is the one hand, but I support yep. Go talk to the leaders. This is where the only way I was successful with my business leaders is because I met with them all the time. And it's sometimes shocking to me that HR people don't because you're, again, you're so busy and you're fighting fires. And then guess what What do you do? You cancel those meetings or you don't have those meetings. And so then you don't know what's coming up in the business. And when you don't know what's coming up in the business, then you're doing all this work that they're like, I don't I don't know why Carrie's doing that because we never even talked about that. I don't know why she would be doing that engagement stuff because we didn't ask for it. And so being aligned with the business, understanding the business and talking to the leaders and saying like, this is what we're working on. What does this make sense? And what are your biggest issues right now? And how can I help you with those? And just being aligned and being in those team meetings. I think once in HR, if you're isolated and you're not involved in those meetings, you're going to be in trouble because then you just don't know what you should work on. And when you're with the business leaders and with your team, then you're an integrated part of the team. Your work is about is easier. So if we've got that aligned and we're starting to follow that process, we're opening those channels of communication. Is there a way that we, or any tools and techniques, you mentioned psychometric earlier, that may or may not be one of the answers, but mm. we'll identify how much potential we can have in HR, whether we're sole or whether we're part of a team. Is, is there a process you can recommend or suggest that can help people understand how they can have an impact and how they can understand how much impact they could have? Yeah. You know what I love? There's a tool of Project Charter. So I don't know if it's called something differently in other companies, but it's an overview of what the actual project is. And the reason I love this as a tool. So yes, there's psychometrics and I love all that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about like, if you don't have money for that, you don't have whatever. Even just as simple of what's the goal of this project? Who's on the team? What's the timeline? How are we going to measure it? This is always my big question. How are you going to measure it? Even if it's just a smiley face evaluation or something, but you've measured something. And to lay that out and to lay out your plan, first of all, a lot of people don't do it. So even by doing it, then people are like, wow, you're really organized. You're like, not really. I just don't want to waste time, right? I don't want to spin for weeks and weeks and realize, oh, Nick should have been on the project. If he was on the project in the beginning, we would have saved like 25 hours because of that. And so I think when an HR person can bring in any other tool, like a project charter, like HR people, if you have friends in like lean manufacturing, Six Sigma, anything that removes waste, the noise, 
anytime you can align everyone, your work is that much better. And people are like, wow, that's really impressive. I try to use project charters with every project I start. And it doesn't have to be a 17 page document. I'm not talking, we're not talking the government where it's like, this is the right form. You didn't fill it out in black pen. Therefore it's a, no, it can be just three paragraphs, but you've scoped it out and you've thought through it. And I think that would, if all HR people did that, you would almost, it might sound like a little bit too much work in the beginning, but just like building a house, if anyone's ever built a house or anything, you want that foundation, you want the plan. You don't just like jump in and go, I guess a bathroom goes over there. And then all of a sudden realize like, that's not where the sewage line is and you're in big trouble. Have as much work when you realize you've planned it ahead of time. So I guess one question, but we talked about noise a couple of times. We're in a world yeah. Generative AI, chat GPT, everyone's talking about this additional noise and the way that we can utilize it. We're having transformation, new software being pitched on a daily basis, which either integrates these tools or doesn't or does something else for the world of HR. There's lots and lots and lots of noise trying to accommodate remote global workforces now, the ability to, to recruit cross borders. With all this in, take, all this innovation, I guess, infiltrating the world of HR, how do you view the future of the profession? And do you view it positively or you know, how would you assess the future of HR for those already in a, in a career or perhaps embarking on one? I think the future, it's funny, it's the same things I've said before, but it's just accelerating. So anything that can be outsourced in HR, payroll, benefits, like anything that you can use a tool for, HRIS systems, to measure engagement, everything, use as many tools as you possibly can, because you cannot be stuck with, I have an Excel spreadsheet, and I'm going to try to figure those things out. Like you got to get those tools to help you. Once you do that, then all you're left with is being a counselor to that leader and figuring out, okay, this is a problem. This is a team issue. Like you really get to be a consultant and, and a counselor and an advisor once you have all these tools that support you. I think just when I said that like 15 years ago, it was make sure you have an HRIS. Now you can use ChatGPT, which I've used because I go in and I'm like, you know what? I want to have these categories for engagement. And I'm like, what are those categories? And instead of wasting like an hour and a half looking it up, I put it into ChatGPT and I said, what are the best categories of employee engagement? I'm like, ah, and within two minutes, there were seven categories. I'm like, that's what I want to use. And we still did a ton of work behind it. So we made our roadmap of engagement, but guess what I didn't waste? Two hours of looking up and going, mm, what is what does this group say? What does that group say? I'm like, that actually worked. That's all I needed was some categories and like easy peasy. And so I think in HR, the future, I find it to be very bright because humans are beautiful, wonderful, complex creatures. And that is not going to be replaced with AI and the issues that we have in working together. So I think you just can't think that your HR job of, oh, you know, I do payroll and I do it on Excel spreadsheet or whatever ridiculousness you do, whatever can be automated. If you think it can be automated, it will be automated. And so all you'll be left with, with will be your creativity, problem solving, um, emotional intelligence and helping people navigate all this. That's what we are. We these warriors and Sherpas who are navigating, helping people navigate. But yeah, use all the tools you can and don't get bogged down. You don't have time for that. Articulated the use of how you know you can use things like ChatGPT really cleverly there, you know, as a prompt for those kind of things. Not doing all yep. that. You're going to help save time. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, don't, but don't look up jet chat GPT for like legal advice. That's what I heard someone say. And I'm like, please, please don't do that. Please. No, 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 no. Cause it's not sourced. Like you don't know really where it comes from. Right. So until September 21 anyway. Right. So it's probably out of date. So you've got to be starting one. Yeah. Right. Roman law changes quickly, right? New tribunal. Exactly. Exactly. We're going to open the vault in just a moment. Last question before we do so is the question I should be asking you now, but can leave the HR listeners listening to this right now to come away with something with all the experience you've had over many careers, public speaking, helping before, you know, companies really perform optimally, helping integrate cultures and all these different things you've done. There's something I haven't asked. And actually, you know what? This is could really benefit from hearing this, whatever that this might be, what would that point be? I think you've already asked this, but what's in my head is ask questions and be curious. Like that's for HR. My advice for anyone in HR is just keep asking the questions and realize that you don't know everything. And so figure out like, oh, that's really interesting. These are all just problems to be solved. And so put on your problem solving hat and be curious and ask questions and your business will like you for it. And if they don't, then maybe they don't want to be curious and ask questions. That might be the, not the culture for you. But in order to just keep learning and growing and understanding, that's what I would say. I don't really have a magic pill for HR, but that ask questions would, I guess, be close. I like it. It comes from a growth mindset, right? We use the word associated with a negative context. You've managed to yeah. the word problem sound full of optimism. What are you yeah. solving <laughs> yeah, for you, right? That's way more than how we usually associate those words. Yes. Let's open the bowl. The first question I want to ask you is what advice would you give to a younger you just starting out in the new world of work? Oh my God. Younger me would be calm the F down, but that's for me personally. <laughs> like take a chill pill. It's okay. Not everything has to be done immediately. Calm down. But I think for newbies in HR, Again, it is probably the realization of, oh, this is a lot messier than I thought. And I can't believe people actually do these things. Like that, there's a shine on a newbie in HR where you learn and you're in the program and you're like, oh my God, this will be so much fun. And we're going to do engagement and it's great. And, and they don't really tell you about the amount of sex at work that you're like, what, what? I, oh my God, what? And you're like, ew. And so, mm hmm. And that, it's okay. You'll deal with it. You'll move on. But just knowing that you're resilient enough that you can manage through it as a newbie, and it's it's okay. It's it, but it's everywhere. They're humans, and so as excited as they are and as beautiful as they are, they also have a dark side. So you will see that, and you need to find your people that you can talk to, bounce back from that, because it's a lot tougher than than probably the newbies think. Unfortunately, sorry. Sunshine and, and rainbows, as they say. Yeah, it's that. Yeah. If you could change the entire HR industry with one actionable improvement, what would that actionable improvement be? Oh my God, respect. How <laughs> can I get our profession elevated to like how they respect sales or oh, shit, I'll take finance? You know what I mean? Like at least they respect finance more. Finance people can slip right into CEO. The CFO can, of course, that person, they can be the CEO. HR slipping into a CEO position, that one, they'd be like, oh, I'm not quite sure. So, I mean, just this magic, we could, let's put some fairy dust over everyone. They wake up tomorrow and there's no more of those negative stereotypes of HR. There's no more office 
TV shows where they make fun of HR and just, it'd be beautiful. That's the way I would like to wake up tomorrow. Nice. Well, there is a couple of shows I've done on that as well, about how each other becomes CEO. So do check some of the previous episodes. One with Lisa Haggard comes to mind. And one more recently as well. So for those that want to make that transition. I love it. I love it. We need, we need more. Yes. We need more. We need more. It just needs to be as natural as the salesperson or the CFO going in. Like that would be like, of course they were the CHRO and went into CEO. Why not? That's the succession plan. Yes. Not the, not the anomaly. Yeah. That's happened. You're not looking at it with such surprise. What? Yeah. Right. What? (laughs) Because you don't look at it with surprise. An FD becomes we don't ever think twice, right? Not surprising. Not surprising. Yeah. What's, what's the guiding behavior that you've seen in every great leader that you've worked with? Self-awareness. Boom. Self-awareness. If they're at least aware of how they are. And then a modicum, even if you're not naturally empathic, you can learn how to be it if you're self-aware. So my bottom line is self-aware and that they care to a certain extent. I'm not saying you have to give up your entire life for everything, but just they need to care to a certain extent about their team. So self-awareness and caring. I think hopefully the listeners have got a bit of a a feel for for your attitude towards HR. I think it's really empowering, by the way. The language you use, the energy you give it, the way you turn problems into optimistic things, which everyone can take on and use to empower themselves in their career. I think it's fantastic. But for those that want to find out more, of course, they can listen to your show, which is, I'll put a link in the show notes. That's also if we can find out more about that. They can also get your book, um, the way of the HR warrior, which I'll put a link to. But anywhere else you'd like to direct our listeners to if they want to find out more about uh, the work that you do. Yeah, just uh, you can get to me with LinkedIn or at abracigroup.com. And I was open to chat with people and figure out how we can move HR forward. Fabulous. Well, I'll put links in there to your website, which is in the Abraci Thank you. On. Uh, Instagram links in there, which is Warriors of HR. I'm sure people are going to like looking for that. Twitter, Warriors un- uh, underscore HR there as well. Uh, all the links that people need to access the book, which I highly recommend. Uh, for those who will obviously connect with uh, with Kerry Olovich, you can do so as well through the show notes. So please do check them out. And of course, subscribe to her podcast as well. Uh, Recharge Your Life. I'm sure it's, you, you'll all enjoy that as well if you enjoyed it, her today. So please do that as well. There'll be another link for that in the show notes. Of course, just leaves me to say a huge thank you today to Dr. Kerry Olovich for joining me on the HR and the podcast. And of course, if you are an HR professional listening to this show and you need support with a particular HR-related vacancy, well, that's where my team can come in. So please do get in touch with either myself or with my wonderful team here at JJ Recruitment Group as well. There will be a link again in the show notes, which is jgarecruitment.com. Just leave us to say a huge thank you, Dr. Kate Olvich, for joining me today on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Nick. It was great to talk to you. You That's it for today's episode of the HR L&D podcast. I hope you found this discussion informative and thought-provoking and that it gave you actionable insights to help you drive your HR agenda forward. Please remember to subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode. And I'd also love to hear from you. So if you enjoyed this show, please do leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback helps me to ensure I can continue to bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Oh, and don't forget to share this show with your colleagues and fellow HR leaders as well. The more we spread the word, the more we can grow our community of HR professionals who I know are all as dedicated to driving the future of work forward as I am. Thanks, of course, for tuning in. My name is Nick Gay. Please do look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. It would be great to get connected. In the meantime, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon.